0: Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Hallelujah. Uh, I just want to welcome the live streamers. Sorry you can't make it with us. Uh, We've got still a lot more seats up here, and uh, so join us when you can. Hallelujah. I understand you all have reasons why we can't uh, get here. Okay, Rod, leave the water alone, because everybody's going to wonder when you're going to take a sip, and I'm not going to take a sip yet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The year of God's goodness, Romans 2.4, it says yeah that knowing that the goodness of God leads, leads you to repentance, leads you to metanoia, leads you to change your mind. How, much, how many of us in here, His goodness has changed our minds? I know that when I heard his goodness about salvation, it changed my heart. When I realized sin was paid for, it changed my heart, changed my demeanor. It changed my love for him. And so here we sit on this, uh, this wonderful privilege of knowing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and how much he loves us. And uh, today I want to start a, uh, in the next couple of Sundays just to talk about the goodness of his word, the goodness of his word, because uh, we, do, we, don't, we don't want to neglect his word. His word is so powerful to us. And we know that, the, uh, that, that, uh, that said that one is as good as his word, good as his word. And I tell you, we can go to the bank on God's word. We can go to the bank on God's word because it's, it's yes and amen. So when, when Paul writes the scripture, Uh, In in, in Romans 10, 17, So, um, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we have such confidence in the word of God, it gives us an incredible encourage. We're not having faith in faith. We're having faith in God who has given us his word and his word sustains us. His word ignites us. His word quickens us. His word is so powerful. And so Paul writes that to us. And we serve the God of his word. He's watching over his word to perform it. There's so much I want to unpack, but I've got to pace myself, okay, on the next, next couple of Sundays. And we serve a God of his word. Our faith is built on, and we stand on his word, on his word. You know, when, when, when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, he said, Jesus, if, that, if you are who you are, tell me to come. And Jesus just said one word, come. And Peter had faith in that word and stepped out the boat and walked on water. That's the faith we need to have in God's word. When God said, then we say yes and amen, and we respond to it because it is so powerful. It does not return void, but accomplishes all that it's sent out to do. But I tell you, we live in a day when man's word... has to be backed with legal documents contracts because man they squirm their way out of everything and you got to have backups days of that your word is your bond <laughs> far be it the day once when a handshake cut the deal no longer now and when your yes used to be yes and your no used to be no those days i tell you it is challenging to understand that and so when i i'm hesitant when when people ask me Are you Rod, can you do this? Will you do this for me? I'm hesitant to, to, to say yes because I stop and calculate it because I know, Rod, if you say yes, I'm going to help you move your house. Come hell or high water, come what, it raining or shining, we move in that house. Yes. Because I'm just I know that you're as good as your word. And so it's important that that uh, that that you you're, you're a man and you're a woman of your word because we serve a God who is a God of His word, and we need to be like that. And so we we have um, so we have the enemy who, um, of our faith is all out to discredit God's word. So if he can discredit the word, then man, that's, then then he's got one up on us. The intellectuals today are trying to equalize the word of God and saying it is just like any other literature. Uh, like Shakespeare. Well Shakespeare man that, that that's just <laughs> that, that's just fiction laced with a bit of truth. It's not the Word of God. and so and, and, and it's not based and when you, when you see a movie and it says it's, it's based on a true story no I'll tell you what there is some truth in it but they they make it Hollywood and it, it's not, it's not the truth. So that belief licenses us to have this pick and mix of um, um, approach to, to your faith. I'll have a little bit of this. I'll have a little bit of that. I'll have a little bit of Hare Krishna. I'll have a little bit of, of New Age. And you have this boiling pot because that's what you want. No, that's not the Word of God. We need to make sure that we're standing strong on the Word of God. The Bible is innate. It has always been. It is infallible. And It's inspired. So when we have this, the the understanding of the doctrine of biblical interpretation, I want us to understand it is not our interpretation. The the, the doctrine of interpretation is what the author intended it to be. That's that's the interpretation, not our interpretation of it. So just, you can say, okay, I'll take a a little bit in Genesis and I'll take a little bit in Luke. No, 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 no. That's not how you, 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 you pick and mix this word. There is an understanding of the author. That's the interpretation of this word. And it's so important for us to do that because otherwise the enemy has us by the nose and plays us like a fiddle. And I don't want to be done like that. No chance. It's not going to happen. The interpretation is not there for me to interpret. The Bible is there to, to interpret me. It is there to instruct me. It's there to correct me. It's there to direct me. And so I'm not the one that's going to say, okay, this is, this is my word. This is, no, no, it will direct you as you have a relationship with the, the, the author of this book. And so that's how we need to, the academics of this word world challenge, challenge the, the, the word of God. And what's new? They're always challenging this word. They never have, for hundreds of years, they've always questioned it. They've always challenged it. They've always disagreed with the word of God, even though it remains the bestseller every year. They can't beat this book. They can't beat it. And so scientifically, they say it's impossible for a man to live in the belly of a whale for three days. And I say, I do agree with you. Absolutely, 100%, I agree with you. But I also agree that scientifically, the Red Sea can't part. Nor can a virgin birth happen. Nor can can we feed 5,000 with a few loaves of uh, of, um, um, bread and fish or walk on water, or raise the dead. But that doesn't define that there is a God or no, there isn't a God. It does prove there is a God. (laughs) He's a supernatural miracle working God. He can do, He can talk, and He can speak things into being and make things happen that it's outside our peanut brain. Our small, finite brain. Trying to be dictated to by professors. Good Lord. (laughs) If your God is confined to science reasoning, shame on you. How small is your God? He's because he's outside of that. The first attack of Satan was to cast doubt on the word. Adam and Eve, did God really say? Did Did God indeed say? This line of question leads us to believe that we can become God and that we get to determine what's inspired and what's, what, what's right and what's wrong. We no, no, we don't get that. The word of God has the authority. We're instructed to believe every word of the Holy Scriptures, even if we don't understand it. Why? Because our peanut brains can't handle the awesomeness of God. And I've been at this reading through these scriptures for 45 plus years, and it still amazes me. It's like I always say, I drive backwards and forwards from the P section back to here, and backwards and forwards multiple times, and I can guarantee you every time I drive, I see something I haven't seen before. And it's just a simple eight-mile drive. It's the same thing with this word. You'll look at it, and you'll be amazed. And we'll, It's unexhaustible. That's what happens with this word of God. It's unbelievable. And so God is not limited to our peanut brain size. So be encouraged. Hallelujah. Lit- the, the, uh, the, the, the attack is to discredit and, and cause doubt. And the enemy has an eternal, eternal strategy to cause doubt in us. This book, 66 books, approximately 40 writers, one author over 1,500 years is a Miracle. Miracle. And it doesn't contradict it, sir. It, it, may, it, may, it may talk about this, the, the, this bottle, and Luke may talk about it from this angle, and John talks about it from that angle, and Matthew talks about it from that angle, but it doesn't mean it's, it's, it's contradicting. It's talking about it from a different angle. So we've got to understand that it's, it is far beyond what we can understand, and God understands us. So the next couple of weeks, I want to just unpack the goodness of God's Word. The Word of God is described as water, as breath, as light, as sight. But today I wanna to tackle the word bread. Important to understand that the, 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 the scripture is known as bread, God, it's called bread of life. And as believers, it's important that we have, um, uh, live on the bread of life. And the first uh, thought I wanna just tell you is that, that we need our daily bread. I'm gonna give you news that you can use today. It's important that you understand this. I only stand here for 45 years of my faith because this has been rock-solid part of my life, because I know that there's a war zone out there, and I need to be on God's a game. And this is important. We need our daily bread. Exodus 164 says, "Then the Lord said to Moses, "Behold, I will rain bread from, from heaven to you, And the people shall go out and gather a, a certain quota every day. That I may test them whether they will walk in my laws or not. There is a pattern right there that he gives gives us to have our spiritual sustenance. It's a process of our spiritual sustenance as believers. I know that in Matthew 6, 11, says, give us this day our daily bread. And I know that he's talking about um, um, natural provision. But I tell you, church, we need day, the daily word from God. We need to have his sustenance for our, our, our well-being. It's vital for our spirit to be spiritually alive. As you need food to live on, you need the word of God for your spirit man. And so here we see that um, you got to understand that you are a spirit, church. We are a spirit. We have a soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and we live in this earth suit. We're going to drop this earth suit, and I'm going to get a much, much smarter earth suit. I don't know what suit I'm going to get, but it's, it's, going to, it's going to be an upgrade. Let me just say that. It's going to be an upgrade. Hallelujah. But our spirit needs to have, and this word is spirit and it's life. It's, it, it, your, your mind can't understand it, but your spirit, man, when I'm reading it, and suddenly there's a zoom zoom word that comes off the page, and I said, I have not seen it. It's something that connects with your spirit. It quickens your spirit, man. It awakens your spirit, man. It feeds your spirit, man. And so I, when I wake up in the morning, I kind of just grab my coffee and go with my lazy boy, and anybody, literally, when John was living with us, my kids living with us, when Val walks out, they don't even have to even look if I'm there. I need to upgrade my lazy boy. I've worn the thing out. But I go there, and I've got to get my daily bread. I've been going through the Bible, and I'm on day two, 270, 267. I'm on do a, and I'm wading through Jeremiah. And I've just dumped into Luke. I'm telling you, it's, it's so important that you understand that you have this daily bread. And so it, it's important. I, I, we've been doing it. Uh, three years now, I've been going on through the same plan. And it—it you it, it, it can't believe that I can get stuff from some of those books in the Bible, especially when you're chewing through numbers. My Lord, numbers give <laughs> me a break. Have mercy on me. And yesterday at men's breakfast, um, Sam Berth comes up to me and he's holding this and he says, "This book, I've read every word right through twice." I looked at this. This man's eighty something years old. I, he took his glasses off to read this. I think, he, how is this? In a hunting hide while he's waiting for the animals to come to the bait. Because you've got to get there early before the animals want to eat so you can get ready. He is reading the word. And he's read through this fine print twice. Twice. Don Norman, who, who, who was uh, 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 one of our di- ones who discipled us, he had, when I met him, he had re- read through the Bible 50 times, 50 years. Every year, he would get a new Bible for Christmas, and he would write his notes in, and then everybody would fight to get his Bible at the end of the year, because he'd give it to somebody with all his notes in. You talk about, he would, you, you could quote a scripture, and he'll tell you what it is, You could, the address, or you quote something about it, and he'll tell you where the address is. He knew the word, but it was, it's important that you understand that. And so the word of God, what is the word of God saying to you today? Did you get your word from God today, this morning, before coming here? It must be a normal way of life for us believers because of the world we now live in. It's important that we feed on it. Because if we don't, as the, I know that some guys have gotten into this fasting diet, And by the time midday comes when you're allowed to eat, they're all weak, lightheaded, nauseous, because that's what happens when you don't eat your natural food. What happens when you're not eating your spiritual food? You have the same thing. You're tired. You're vulnerable because the enemy is going to come at you. I want to tell you, the enemy seeking whom he may devour. If he knows that you haven't got a word to stand on to resist, then he's coming after you. He's going to find the niche in your armor. He's looking for you. It's, it's like the, in the Rhodesian War, um, we would have these guys that would be out in the front lines and they would do some crazy they're special services. And they, this one, one guy had a, a break, the scouts guy had a break for six weeks just to kind of, they'd say you go bushwhacky. So you just, man, you just go, you just go uh, fighting crazy out there and you've got you to back off from the front lines. And they always say, do not, not train. Keep training, keep being fit. Make sure you keep your stamina, your food and everything. And he just partied for the whole six weeks. When he day, he landed back there. They put him in a bomb hatch. They flew him to the neighboring country. They dropped him with eight other guys to go on a rec- uh, uh, to reconnaissance. But the problem is they were found out and 200 men chased them for 80 miles. He had to run his little legs off over mountains, through rivers, everything, to get away. And he vowed he would never be unfit again. He would never make sure he was found wanting again. Church, we've got to be understanding, we cannot be found wanting not having the Word of God in us. And I'm going to just, just show you that, that the Word of God is so important. And, and I have some church attenders say, I don't know what the, why you have to preach, and, because I never remember any of the sermons a couple of weeks' time. I will not remember any of the sermons. I said, "Oh, okay." I said, um, "And can you remember what you ate four Tuesdays ago? It's lunchtime." She said, "I don't know. Dinner. Did you eat it?" She says, "No, I always eat dinner. You do, do. you remember what it is?" No. I said, "Was it important?" She says, "Yes, because I, you know, I've got to keep living. I must have eaten something back there. The same thing with the Word of God. You always, you don't understand. You can't remember it, but it's sustaining you." It's keeping you going. It's so important that you understand that. Psalm 69, 68 verse 19 says, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. I don't know, God's maybe trying to get in the point into my message here. Hallelujah. <laughs> so we got to be committed to a daily reading. Hallelujah. So what, what translation, what translation do I use? I just want to just let you know, it, 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 I want you to be informed. There are three, three, there are three translation groups that we, that we have. There is the one that's called the exact equivalence. Exact equivalence. It translates a word for word and it, it, from, from the Hebrew and from the Greek, and it's got the New King James, the, um, the New American Standard, the English um, 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 Standard Version, and the Amplified are those versions. Then you've got the next one is the dynamic equivalence, which translates phrase and thoughts and and uh, puts the thought together so we understand the whole thought. And that's the uh, NLT, NIV, and and the message. And it's so informative, that, because sometimes I just can't get my head around what what the new King James is trying to say. It's just just rattling my cage. And then uh, um, the paraphrase is obviously the Living Bible, the Good News Bible. And the the, the, the author of the Living Bible did that so that his kids could read it. And so it, it, it gives it in a story form and gives us a better understanding. All these are great translations to give us a, a depth to understanding the Word of God. So it's important. That we, and I memorize, I had most of my scriptures that I've memorized as New King James. But I really am, most of my reading is the New Living Translation, if you wanted to know. So our daily bread is important. Our second thought is our sustaining bread. Our sustaining bread is important. Yes, we got a word for the day, and you'd be surprised of what you read in the morning, how God uses it during that day to help somebody else or help you or, 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 or get it to somebody. It's so important to understand that. The Word of God sustains us, and, and it holds us. We need to have that, 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 that reservoir of the Word inside you, so when you get hurt, when you have hurts and hang-ups and heartaches and hardships, You can draw on the word of God to be able to help you stand because we live in a fallen world. It's not going to be a ride on the River Rhine. It's not going to be that i am sad to uh, burst your bubble but life is going to have some real bumps in it and you need to have a substance of the word Val and I went through a, a real hard um, hit on le- leadership really hurt us in Zimbabwe before we left I mean it soccer punched us and I got to a place where man I just I, I just and and when I eventually got Checked on the, the person said, you need to have a nervous breakdown. You should be hospitalized because you're so, you, 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 you're so dis- discouraged from the situation. And she says, how, do you, how are you coping with this? I said, I'm a Christian and I have one scripture, my sustaining scripture, 2 Corinthians ten five, Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I hung on to that. When I'd wake up at six o'clock in the morning, I would not think further than eight o'clock because if I did, I'd start losing control. When I got to eight o'clock, I'd think till 10 o'clock. I'd bring every thought captive. I wasn't concerned about tomorrow. I wasn't concerned about what's going to happen, happen down the road. I wasn't concerned because I could not cope. I had to bring every thought captive and say, Jesus, you give me the grace to go two hours and I'm going to go two hours. I walked out that for six months. And then slowly I could think to 12 o'clock midday. But that was my sustaining scripture. That my sustaining bread held me in the storm, held me in the storm. And you've got to have that. You've got to have the sustaining because i tell you what, it's not if a storm come, it's when the storm comes. You need to make, make sure that we're ready. But I have quotes that, that helped us stand when, when we really wanted to quit on, on, on carrying on with coastal. And it says "You never forget in the dark what God showed you in the light. Because I'm telling you, look, sometimes when you just, ah, what did God say again? Um, and 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 Jesus said, and even Jesus needed to have sustaining bread. He needed to have the sustaining bread. Yeah, we see in Matthew uh, chapter 4 verse 3, it says, yeah, now when the tempter came to Jesus, he said, if you are the son of God. There again, he's trying to discredit the, discredit the, 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 the qualification. If. You are the son of God. Command these stones to become bread. And he'd just been fasting for 40 days. He knows how to punch you in the weak spot, okay? But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He came back and he had a sustaining word. But there was a, a sustaining word that had, had Jesus rock solid before he even was challenged by, by the tempter. And I was see, it's, I saw that this morning. It says, if you are the Son of God. He should have stopped, this, stopped the to there and said, oh, I just want to let you know, sunshine. I don't know if you're eavesdropping, but when, I, when the Holy Spirit came upon me in my baptism, didn't you hear the voice say, you are my beloved son on whom I'm well pleased. I'm not just if I'm the Son of God. I am the Son of God. I'm not only just the Son of God. I'm the beloved Son of God. That was a sustaining word for God, for Jesus. Not if I am the beloved Son of God. And that was before Jesus did one miracle. You don't have to do a thing. He loves you just like you are. He loves you. And it's so important that we see this. We need physical, physical food to sustain us, but we need heavenly food. And Satan will challenge us. And so he didn't come back and quote Shakespeare to the, the, the tempter. No. He said, It is written. It is written. In Deuteronomy, it says there uh, in 8.3, That's where he got the scripture from. That's where he memorized it from. That's where he heard it when he went when he went to the tabernacle and he listened to, to 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 the rabbi speak. He heard the word. He remembered the word. It was something that sustained the son of God. Who are we? We better get onto the program. Make sure we have sustained. Uh, Sustenance. And it says here in 8.3, it says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but, by, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It so says we need natural food, we need spiritual food. And many Christians are malnourished. I just thought I'd throw that out there. We need to change our dietary program. Hallelujah. Isaiah 55.2 says, Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages on what does not sustain? satisfy me. Oh, come on. You feed rubbish, feed on rubbish, garbage in, garbage out. I hear folks, man, they can quote stats on the NFL, on football, on on basketball, on on baseball. They can quote stats on NASCAR, Times, tires, uh, all that, but they can't quote one scripture. They can't find out, they can't keep the main thing, the main thing, what's important, important. And it's, man, we've got, we got to be, make sure we are able to find the scripture, quote the scripture. If you can't memorize it, just, just, just find and remember it. Go to the front of your Bible and write salvation, very first scripture, John, and then write it there. Then go to John, and when you get to John, write the next scripture, of why I need to be saved, and then write it. So you've got your own chain reference. So in the devil comes, say, devil, well, hold, 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 hold on. Sam Bertha wrote it here somewhere, and I'm going to read it. And I want to. Re- and you read the Scripture to him, because it does something to your faith level and gets you, All right, move on, move on, move on. I want to just recognize and acknowledge those that are taking Bible school at the, with Coastal College. Great investment, great investment. I know it's an investment of your time. It is $50. A month, but I'm telling you what you are going to um, reap incredible from 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 the investment. Joshua chapter one verse eight. I'm going to read this in the in the first person. This book of the law, the word of God, shall not depart from my mouth, but I shall meditate on a day and night that I may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then I will have make my way prosperous, and then I. Will have good success. Why? Because the word is rich, the word is important, and we need to. I want to just I want to leave you with something that also helps us. I've got one more point, but this is next illustration. I want you to get a handle on the word. I want you to get a handle on God's word. And basically it's your hand. And if you haven't got anything to write notes on, grab the pen that's in the pocket in front of you and then write on your own physical hand and then go and translate it into something that you can remember when you get back home. But Okay, go on to the next one. I've got nine minutes. I must hurry up. Hallelujah. If I just hear the word, and I'm holding on to the word just with my little pinky finger, how easy is it to snatch the word out of that when I'm just hearing it? Oh, I heard the word. Pastor preached the word on Sunday, and I heard the word. Yes, no, no. But what happens if you hear it and read it? You've got too grip in the word of God. It's a little it's tougher to pull the word. Then you get to study the Word, and you find out, man, that's what that Word means. It builds up faith. Well, get, You've got three fingers holding the getting a handle of the Word. Then you start memorizing it, and then you meditate on it, and then you start applying it. I tell you what, you cannot have the Word of God ripped out from you because you've got a handle on it. But it takes those steps, it takes that discipline, it takes that investment. Moving right along. Hallelujah. And the last point is... Our true bread. We've got to make sure that we understand the focus of this is, is about our true bread. What is the true bread? And and you are what you eat. Have I looked in the mirror recently? Yes, I have. <laughs> I am what I'm eating, and I need to deal with it, okay? I confess before the congregation. Hallelujah. John 6, 31, it says, Our father ate the manna in the desert, and as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Who may that be? He is the true bread. And... uh, then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Man, he was setting them up. He was setting these audience up. And he says here in verse 49, I am the bread of life. We're talking about the true bread of why we look at the scriptures because Jesus is laced all the way through the scriptures. In verse 49, it says, for the fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. Verse 50, this is the bread which comes down from heaven, the one who eats of it and not die. That's why we have eternal life, because we're eating of something that's eternal, that will sustain us. I am the living bread, which comes down from from heaven. If anybody eats of this bread, he will live forever. I tell you what, church, it says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The name of Jesus is truth. If you know Jesus, Jesus will set you free. Many times we want to be the one to persuade everybody about Jesus. No, the best thing you can do is introduce Jesus to them and Jesus will make himself known to that person. That's the best way to to evangelize somebody and the best way to disciple them. We come to somebody and he says, you need Jesus. Who is this Jesus dude? It's like somebody introducing me to Valerie right off the bat. And say, you you need to marry Valerie. So I don't know about this chick, boy. She's dangerous. She's a handful. (laughs) But man, took me a little while. Got to know her. Too hot to trot, and I'm after her. (laughs) If you present Jesus in such a way, they will go running to Jesus because the truth will set them free. Hallelujah. Knowing Jesus transforms you. So when you're looking through the Scriptures, and you see Jesus on every page, his goodness comes off this word, you realize that's the thing that transforms me, changes me, because we're, we're the carriers of his goodness, we're the carriers of his grace. And there's much more I wanna say, but I'll tell you what church, I end with this, just on the importance of the word of God. This young couple were getting married and their wealthy uncle, uncle was invited to the wedding. And so, he came and, and they were kind of really curious to what gift he was going to give them because he was very wealthy. And so when they eventually got to and he handed them the gift. He says, this is the best gift I can give you. And in that gift, he left a card and he left the instructions. And it was a Bible. Obviously, they were disappointed <laughs> not quite what they were expecting. And he said, and the instructions was, read this daily and it will enrich your life. And so six months later, he was going on a business trip past. They say, so he thought he'd pop in and check on the newlyweds. And so they realized he was coming. So they popped out his gift and dusted it off and put it on the coffee table. Obviously, they had not obeyed his instructions. And so he got there and had having coffee. And, and he picked up and he says, so how are things going? And I says, oh, it's wonderful, the gift. Thank you so much for the gift. So he's paging through the gifts to the end of Genesis, and he pulls out the envelope that had $500,000. Check in it. (laughs) Don't discard the gift, eh? I'm asking, what are you doing with this great gift? God got on me, so I thought I'd get on you this week. Hallelujah. (laughs) And there's more to come. Hallelujah. Musicians, if I could have you up here. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.